Hello and welcome to another edition of What Sports. This is your host, Mike Jones, here with you today. And I'm actually joined by a personal friend of mine and fellow podcaster, Dwight Randolph, today. What's up, man? How are you doing? You know, I am super stoked about today. Uh, obviously, Game 7 for the Nuggets. Trying to complete a little bit of history tonight, becoming mm-hmm. the first team ever to come back from two 3-1 series deficits in the same playoffs. It's pretty crazy, man. And I've been... I was, so I was no, I wasn't watching the last game, game six, but I was I think I was texting you about it, right? And we were talking yes, about it, yes. and I was just getting the notifications, and I was all into it just from the notifications, you know. <laughs> I was like, oh god, who's gonna win? Who's gonna win? You know, just kind of when those when that kind of happens in sports, you just really get into it. You know what I mean? Those are the all in that game center on ESPN. Yeah, that's like the major. Um, attraction to sports, I feel like, to games is when it's super close or it means something. You know what I mean? Like a regular season game is not that exciting unless it's super close. It, there is definitely a next level to the attraction when you're talking mm-hmm. about playoff basketball, elimination games in playoff basketball. Yeah, for sure. And taking that even a step further, game sevens in the playoffs. I mean, the old as the old adage goes, the two best words in sports, game seven. And going to have one tonight. Uh, real quick, Dwight, just wanted to give a shout out to you. Thank you for coming on. And for those of you who don't know, me and Dwight actually do another podcast you might want to give a listen to, check out sometime. It's going to be debuting here in the next uh, few days, I'm going to say. These damn dudes. It's yeah, just man, a, these damn dudes. Just a podcast, uh, <laughs> almost like a, a a morning morning drive type of format. Yeah, it's basically just a podcast where me and you kind of come up with topics and have some fun with it, you know? Make some weird stories, just things going on around Talk the world. Talk about see-through you know? bathrooms or whatever, whatever comes yeah, up. Yeah, see-through bathrooms, you know, there's all kinds of things you can talk about. I'm sure we'll be talking about some Florida people. You know, it, it's weird because <laughs> those type of stories often seem to revolve around Florida. They do, and I find that hilarious because Florida seems to be like this retirement thing, you know? That's like where <laughs> you retire. But then all these crazy stories come out of Florida, so I'm like, you know what? I might want to go to Hawaii. Not yeah, maybe don't want to retire there. <laughs> exactly but yeah you can check that podcast out it'll be up on all the uh major podcasting platforms once we get it rolling we did record the first episode so and there's another podcast you do uh unfortunately this one doesn't involve me so it's probably not as good but uh <laughs> what's the name of that one that dwight yeah so this one's actually better because um it's just me and that <laughs> <laughs> uh it's an interview style podcast it's called you succeeded how and podcast is basically where i figure out how people became successful so you can too so basically it's just figuring out people's success in different aspects of life so not necessarily just you know being successful with money but all sorts of aspects i've done one i'm doing one currently on mental health so it's going to be a good episode um how to be successful with your mental health especially in today's climate with you know the pandemic and all the other stresses of today today's world but um, it's kind of a self-improvement kind of podcast i guess you should say i've had some business ones on there some fitness ones um, it's definitely a good podcast. You can check that out on all the major platforms, you know, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, all that good stuff. Wow, that that actually sounds really cool, dude. Sounds like a great listen. It is a great listen. Uh, there's three episodes right now. I need to get going. But the first hey, three are really good. That, that That's more episodes than we have up for these damn dudes. So, so <laughs> you're succeeding. True. That's true. Very, that's very true. But now let's dive into the main event. Uh, If time allows on today's show, we'll also talk about last night's Denver Broncos game. But the main attraction, what everybody in the sports world is talking about right now, is the Denver Nuggets and Los Angeles Clippers. 
are the Nuggets going to be able to make history? They already forced a game seven, which nobody really expected them to be able to do. Uh, You're going up against a team that is a favorite to win the, the whole thing. Like, this is one of the top two or three favorites to win the NBA championship. Mm-hmm. Going up against a Nuggets team that's outside of people who actually watch and follow the Nuggets closely, people thought they don't deserve in the conversation. They, they're not in the same stratosphere as the LA teams, as Milwaukee before uh, Milwaukee got knocked out by Miami. So to the outside world, they look at the Nuggets and they go, that's a cute story. That, that, that team, they're, they're a fun little team. But nobody I, – I saw something from uh, ESPN where they all put in their game – like their series predictions. Mm-hmm. And not a single one even had the Nuggets making it to game seven, let alone winning the series, which mm-hmm. they still have a game tonight to play to the, to actually win the series. But they've exceeded all national talking heads expectations for this team. Yeah, I was actually looking. So on Amazon, you can they do polls for sports, right? When you're going through your shopping list and stuff. And I saw the poll yesterday. And for Game 7, who will win? It says 58% are actually Denver Nuggets and 42 Clippers, which I found uh, ironic because I've looked at previous games and they were all the opposite with the Clippers winning game set, uh, the game. I thought that was kind of funny that, like you're talking about, you see this difference, you know, where people didn't expect it. The Nuggets are coming up as like almost the underdog and that's something really special for sure for sure and uh talking to somebody at work uh they asked me how i thought this series was going to go um because saturday night they asked me who i thought was going to win sunday and Mm -hmm. i said honestly i'm not 100 percent sure uh my gut might say Clippers my heart says Nuggets but what I will say is if the Nuggets win game six the Nuggets will win game seven Mm. and that's wholeheartedly how I looked at this because you're talking about a team in the Clippers that have the superstars I mean they have Kawhi player in the conversation for the best player in the NBA right now You have Paul George, who is a superstar. You look at what he's done in the last few seasons. You can make an argument that maybe he's been a little uh, overhyped. But nonetheless, Paul George, superstar, still very good, very good NBA player. And they've just been punched in the mouth by the Denver Nuggets. It's it's something that you really got to look at that team and you got to wonder, are they going to be able to really bounce back from? Are, is their head still completely in the game? Because they, they, there's got to be some self-doubt in there now that might be something that these guys haven't really dealt with on this level in their career, especially when you're talking about a player like maybe Kawhi. He's still putting up points, though, right? And he's still performing at a high level. He And so he I don't is. think he's going to have self-doubt. Maybe the team overall could have some self-doubt. But at the same point, coming into a game seven where it's all tied up and this kind of determines who's moving on, there's going to be – they're going to definitely want to win. They're going to have – you know, they're going to want that revenge that they're kind of la- – that, that, you know, the Nuggets have taken under them after they – what was the – there was a 3-1 lead, right, at the beginning town. Yes. Um, so their nuggets were kind of definitely down. And one thing you were talking about is the superstar superstars, but doesn't the nuggets have some superstars if we look at Jokic? Jokic, yes, but he is one of those guys that gets underappreciated in the national spotlight mm-hmm. consistently. Uh, because he right. one, he plays in a small market. I mean, mm-hmm. Denver 
is kind of one of those flyover teams, uh, mm-hmm. typically speaking. Now, with what Jokic and Murray are putting together here, they are f- putting the Nuggets in the national spotlight. And the narrative on them, especially next season, I feel like will have to change. Especially if they were to win tonight. Uh, Jokic, though, is a superstar. I make the argument that he's a top five player in the league. Um, and you know what? You can even look at, at, the, at the stats here. As far as points per game in the playoffs in the history of the NBA, Jokic is 13th on the list. And this includes wow. Michael Jordan. This includes uh, Hakeem Olajuwon, Kobe Bryant. He, he's actually, it, just looking at Kobe Bryant, points per game in the playoffs, he is at 25.59 points per game. Kobe Bryant, 25.64. So he's right there with Kobe Bryant on points per game in the playoffs. He is sixth on the list as far as active players go. Anthony Davis, Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Donovan Mitchell, and uh, Steph Curry are the only players ahead of him. You look at rebounds per game, Jokic is 19th on the list for rebounds per game in playoff in playoffs in NBA history. Only active player ahead of him, Dwight Howard. Is the only active player ahead of him. Assists per game. You're talking about Nikola Jokic, seven foot center by position, is 18 or tied for 17th in NBA history in assists per game in the playoffs. Fifth, I'm sorry, sixth among active players. John Wall, Rajon Wando, Chris Paul, Russell Westbrook, and LeBron James are the only players ahead of him as far as assists per game in active players in playoffs. Yeah, you look you look at that list, you're not seeing very many centers. No. I mean You're seeing point guards and wings, right? You're not gonna be seeing those big guys with the assists. The only real big guys that stand off to me, and this they're not really all they're not bigs but you talk about magic johnson was six foot eight and lebron james yeah. is six foot eight and those LeBron are the only james guys that even yeah. really kind of come close on this list to mm-hmm. Nikola Jokic as far as stature goes right in these playoffs Jokic is 10th in these playoffs as far as points per game okay but as far mm-hmm. as players Still playing, who made it out of the first round? He he's seventh on the list. I'm sorry, eighth on the list. And Jamal Murray is tied with him for points per game. Him and Jamal Murray have been putting on a great two man game in these playoffs. And yes, Jamal Murray's a little bit has come down to earth because he's had a much tougher matchup in the Clippers than he did against the Jazz. But you're talking about Jamal Murray who really put his name and stamped it in the star category with the series he had against the Utah Jazz. Uh, Putting up two 50-point games, having uh, 140 points in a three-game span. Without Jamal Murray, the Nuggets aren't even in this aren't even in the second round in all likelihood. And Nikola Jokic was going up against a two-time defensive player of the year, most likely the best defensive center in the entire NBA in that first round in Rudy Gobert, and was still averaging over 25 points a game against him. Mm. So it's Jokic is a superstar. I say he's a top five player in the league. Murray, I'm not sure I'd be ready to put him in a superstar category quite yet, but he's definitely a star in the NBA. And coming into this series, 
I would have said Kawhi, Jokic, and then Paul George, Murray. You can make an argument that Murray is a lot closer to being the third best player in this series than you would have said coming in, or most people would have said at least coming into the series. Mm-hmm. So superstars, yes. Jokic is definitely a superstar. So the Clippers, I want to throw out another stat here for you to digest. Uh, The Clippers during the regular season averaged 116.3 points per game. Fourth most in the NBA. Okay. Mm -hmm. In this series against against the Denver Nuggets. Game one, they put up 120. Uh, You can't throw out any single game in a series, but if you were, game one was kind of a throwaway game. It was a scheduled loss. Uh, The the Nuggets just went to game seven, emotional, physically tiring series against the Jazz, and then then only had one day off before playing the Clippers. So they gave up 120. Game two, a win by the Nuggets. Gave up 101. Game three, gave up 113. Game four, only 96. The Nuggets still lost the game, but they only gave up 96 points in that game. Game five, 105. And game six, another game in which the Nuggets held the Clippers under... 100 points. Only 98 points given up in game six. Which means, on average, the Nuggets are giving up 105.5 points per game to a, to the Clippers. This is a full 10 points plus less per game that the Nuggets are giving up to the Clippers. And the narrative on the Nuggets is they are an awful defensive team that it's the offense, but they can't stop nobody. And you look at what actually at the numbers here and they actually play out that when I'm not going to try to say that nuggets are an elite defensive team because they're not, they're not elite on that end of the court, but they are definitely a serviceable to above average defensive team, a good defensive team when they need to be, when they really put their mind to it. And I think you've really seen that play out over this series. Yeah, so basically what you're saying is for in order for them to win game seven, their defense is gonna be half is is gonna have to be top notch. The defense is gonna be a huge part of it. Because these last two games, okay, the Nuggets were down by 16 points in the third quarter of game mm-hmm. five. They ended up being down 19 points in the third quarter of game six. Come back and win the game by 13 points. In the second half of game six, they gave up, what is this, uh, 35 points in the entire second half against the Clippers. When it mattered most, when the pressure was really on gave up 16 points in the third quarter and 19 in the fourth again against a elite offensive team in the Los Angeles Clippers in game five in this in the second half they gave up 49 points only 49 under 50 points in that second half in game in game five in game four they only gave up 48 points in the second half my, my point being is that the nuggets in the second half have really stepped up their defensive efforts mm-hmm. and personally i think a lot of this has to do with the return of gary harris 
Gary Harris returned, I believe it was in game six against the Utah Jazz, game five or game six. And since then, the rotations and the on-ball defense of Nuggets has been so, so much better. And a huge part of this is Gary Harris. Outside of Jokic and Murray, I'd argue that Gary Harris has been the most important piece of this Denver Nuggets team and the run that they're making. Gary, not only is he averaging almost two steals per game, which is by a good margin the most on the Denver Nuggets, he's doing it in crucial spots. You think about the steal against uh, Spider Mitchell that really was like the game ceiling steal, the, 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 the highlight steal of that series was by Gary Harris. And that was in such a crucial point in the game. And then last night, or not last, sorry, I'm sorry, not last night, Sunday night, or Sunday day, I should say. It was an early game on Sunday. It kind of threw me off. But uh, Gary Harris again with a timely pickpocket of, I believe it was Paul George in that game. And Gary Harris is just stepping up again, like the rest of the Nuggets defensively, in the most important moments. And I give so much of that credit to Gary Harris and his presence on this court for this team. Yeah. So, so I think the best thing, you know, for the Nuggets, definitely for this game seven, for sure, is if they just come out with that second half defense in the first half, they would definitely have a better chance of winning game seven because obviously the Clippers are going to be, their defense is going to be on point compared, you know, as well. Because like I talked about earlier, they're going to want that revenge. They're going to want, they're, they're wanting to move on. They're wanting to show they're a better team than the Nuggets. And if we're being honest, they probably are, right? But, <laughs> I mean, apparently the yeah. On paper, they should be the better team. Mm-hmm. Yet, the Nuggets play as a play more cohesively. They play mm-hmm. more like a team, and they play for each other more than I'd say the Clippers, which surprises me to an extent. Because part of the reason why coming into the season, I picked the Clippers over the Lakers to win the championship is because outside of Kawhi and Paul George, this was all like, this was already a playoff team last year. This was already a team that played really well together, played for each other and exceeded expectations last year. And for the most part, the team that was brought back was that same team. You just added two all-stars. You just added a superstar in Kawhi and a all-star player in Paul George. So to see them not necessarily be the most cohesive unit out there is kind of surprising to me. Um, Also, the fact that this is an elite defensive squad, especially when you're talking about individual personnel, you're talking about arguably the best defender in the league in Kawhi. I know uh, Giannis won the Defensive Player of the Year award, but Kawhi is at least one of the best defenders, period, in the NBA. Paul George, a elite defensive player. Patrick Beverly is a pain in the ass, but he plays pretty decent defense, and he flops like hell. He's annoying, and when he fouled out, was amazing. But (laughs) fouled out with, like, no stats to even talk about in that game. Triple single. But you're you're talking about a team that is put together as an elite defensive squad. And the Nuggets are dropping, you know, like 110 points a game on them. Actually, it's not quite 110. I forgot about that 85 point game in game four, but still they're, they're putting up the points and 
even with a much tougher matchup, Murray is averaging 26 points, or I'm sorry, not 26, 19.7 points per game in this game, in this series. He's almost averaging 20 points a game against the best one-on-one defenders he will probably ever go, he'd probably go up against in this entire playoffs. Damn, I'm excited for tonight. What are your predictions for tonight then? What do you, what do you think is going to happen? Well, if you look at history and what has happened, I mean, game seven against the Jazz, it was uh, first team to 80 points won the game. I mean, I uh, forget what exactly the final score was that, but the Nuggets won with like 84 points and the, and the Jazz didn't even break 80. So you look at that and you say historically game sevens are low scoring physical matchups, which you just talk about fit. You talk about that and it should, it would say that it should favor the Clippers because physical matchup, low scoring defensive battle Mm -hmm. that should all favor the Clippers. But I think, like I said, I, I I think the Nuggets win tonight. I think they have all the momentum on their side. They are playing loose. They're playing like a team. Uh, mm-hmm. After uh, game four, when Michael Porter Jr. came out and said some uh, comments, kind of criticizing the play calling down the stretch, criticizing – his involvement in the game down the stretch in that loss. There was the opportunity for the Nuggets to splinter and for there to be cracks in the cohesion. Mm-hmm. And yet you did not see that. They came together and played arguably even better as a team in games five and six. And you just don't see that on the other side when the pressure has been put on by the nuggets, you see players playing more for themselves. I feel like watching the Clippers Mm -hmm. and going away from team oriented basketball Mm. and kind of splintering. So I, I see the nuggets winning this game. I see the Nuggets winning, and let's say 101 to 96. I think it'll be a relatively low-scoring game. Yeah, I'd have to agree on the low-scoring aspect, but as far as who's going to win, I mean, I'm going to have to say Nuggets just because I've always been a Nuggets fan, you know, from Colorado, born and raised, so I can't really, you know, I'm not going to say Clippers because that'd be – a disgrace exactly unlike mike here who said clippers were going to win game six but anyways we don't talk (laughs) about that (laughs) no but i definitely uh one thing i want to ask you is what do you think Jokic is going to have to do in order to win game seven because he's obviously a really big part of this is is he going to have to have a double double what's hit what is his contribute 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 contribution going to have to be um (laughs) I, I think he's going to drop 30-plus points in this game and have 15-plus rebounds. The assists, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure if he'll get up to triple-double area yeah. uh, just because throughout these playoffs, Jamal Murray has actually been averaging more assists per game than mm-hmm. uh, Jokic. And just in this series, uh, Murray has seven more assists than Jokic Mm. you're and part of that honestly is that other players are just not hitting the shots that Jokic is feeding to them and in game seven the pressure is going to be on even more and it's really going to come down to superstars making the plays so I'm not sure if Jokic's assist numbers are going to be up there but I predict a 30-15 game from Jokic 
and Jamal Murray is going to need to score 20 plus. Because mm-hmm. I don't know where else we're going to get the point production from. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's been great watching Gary Harris kind of find his form from a couple years ago. Uh, Gary is shooting 44% from beyond the arc. And that's, that's just frosting for uh, Gary Harris because you have him out there on the court for his defensive play. And when you're getting that kind of consistent offensive output from him, that's, that's nice. That is, that is nice. The X factor, though, is probably MPJ. What are we going to get from MPJ mm-hmm. in Game 7? He's been growing and learning throughout these playoffs and evolving as a player. But is he going to show up and shine when the lights are brightest? Or is this going to be a game where he kind of steps back and lets – because he's still as good as he is and as much potential as he has, he's still – the third option offensively on the team. And he should be at this point. And will he accept that role fully in game seven and step up when his number is called? Cause you look at this team and it is, it is hard to not be ecstatic about the future of this team. Nikola Jokic is only 24 years old. Jamal Murray is only 22. MPJ, 21. And we haven't even talked about Bobo because he hasn't played but four minutes in the series because he's the MPJ of this season as far as not really seeing the court, yet so excited to see his development next year. And he's only 20. Like, the amount of potential that this team has going forward is immense. Especially when you're talking about Mm -hmm. how good they already are and how far they've already come. The Nuggets, last season and this season, okay, have played – have made it to game seven in the conference semifinals both years. And they've actually only made it to game sevens. All four series for this young team in the playoffs have all been seven game series. Mm-hmm. So much experience and so much grit earned by going seven games. Oh, yeah. And they've done it in four series now mm-hmm. as such a young team. All right, so I mentioned this before, but I'm going to go back to it a little bit. The Nuggets in the first series against the Jazz became only the 13th team in NBA history to come back from a 3-1 deficit. If they win tonight, they become the first team ever to come back from a 3-1 deficit twice in the same postseason. That you're talking about putting yourself as a historic team. Whether or not, if they were to win tonight, whether or not they go, went on to win the championship, this team would go down in the annals of history. I mean, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, just such a historic potential tonight. And mm-hmm. you look going forward again. I, I, I don't, I, I don't want to assume they're going to win tonight, but if they were to win tonight, okay, hear me out. And they go on to play the Lakers and the Lakers go up, 2-1 in the series. LeBron's over there. 
who says, guys, 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 come on. We need to give them this game. We cannot go up 3-1 on the Denver Nuggets. The series is over if we go up 3-1 <laughs> on these Denver Nuggets. We will have happen, lost. Mike. <laughs> we will have lost. We cannot win this game. <laughs> I mean, he may substitute out a few words, but that's basically what he's going to tell the guys yeah, on the sure. sideline. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't see it any other way. I mean, how can you look at it and be like, okay, beating up three to one on the Nuggets, I feel, I feel good doing that. I mean, if you're LeBron James, I'm sure you'd be all right. No, LeBron James will be the second best player in that series. Yeah, who's the first? Jokic? Of course. Of course. <laughs> you know, they have the same body type, too, I noticed. You know, the same physique and everything. Oh, uh, <laughs> no. Yeah. Actually, honestly, okay. One, obviously that was a joke. Jokic would be the best player in that series. Two, though, so much has been made about playoff Jokic because coming back from the pandemic and from quarantine or whatever. Yeah. He was, like, in the best shape of his entire life. Yeah, super thin. Yes, and, like, you can actually see some muscle tone. And that's not something yeah. you see a lot on Jokic. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> phenomenal yeah. basketball player, better than I ever hoped to be. But he he does not look athletic. No, he does not look like a basketball player. So, and I, I – I, just his whole demeanor is so great, too. That's part of what I, I've said before. Like, I love the dynamic between him and Murray. Because mm-hmm. Jokic is so cool under pressure. He's, yeah. He keeps everything light. He, his, he is the guy on a team that everybody just loves to be around. And he's a superstar. Mm-hmm. And then you have Murray who has become a star in this league, trying to put himself in superstar kind of stratosphere. And he's got that, he's got that fight. He's got that, that mentality of he is going to take out anything standing in his path. And he's got, he's got that anger in his game at times that is so crucial for a playoff team as well. Mm -hmm. So just having that combination and you just sprinkle in a, a MPJ who can come out there and just be like with no, no reason to think this throughout the rest of the game, but he, you can throw him the ball for a corner three in the fourth quarter and he'll just shoot it because he knows he's going to make it just that, that arrogant confidence mm-hmm. you sprinkle that in there as well not necessarily that that fight like murray but just that that i know i'm better mm-hmm. and that can that's also a very interesting dynamic to kind of sprinkle in there and hopefully rub off on some of the other players as far as just that that confidence having that fight that confidence and just that coolness mm-hmm. from those three players sprinkle it in. You got a championship type of atmosphere there in my humble opinion. So game seven is tonight. Uh, it's going to be on ESPN at I believe 7 p.m. Mountain Standard Time. 8 p.m. for me down here, unfortunately. But if you're not watching that game tonight, I don't know what you're doing with your life. I mean, the the last couple games have been just phenomenal games. Even though the Nuggets ended up winning by 13 Sunday, they were down by 19 in the third quarter. Down by 19 in the third quarter they were done in the game and then came back and ended up winning this game by 13 so and like 
that's two games in a row that they were down by 16 or more in the third quarter and came back and won. When you're playing with house money and you can just play relaxed, kind of like what the, the Nuggets appear to be doing, that is that's just dangerous to, <laughs> to another team trying to go up against them. Because all the pressure, all the tension is going to be with the Clippers. All, and to a certain extent, all the hopes of the national media is going to be with the Clippers because they, they want their precious battle for L.A. Western Conference mm-hmm. Finals. Yeah, for sure. I could definitely see that. It would just get a lot of attention, you know, L.A. versus L.A., Rather than L.A. versus Denver, you know, mm-hmm. and at the same course, point, that would be a great matchup too. You know, the kind it, of the underdog in the situation. It would be, it would be, and of course, you look on uh, social media and all of the Lakers fans and their arrogant assholeness. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't matter who comes; the Lakers will win in four. Neither team is, neither team is competition for the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Which is so idiotic, but God, I hate L.A. Like L.A. Lakers and their fans. Yeah. Gross. It's like Cowboy fans in the NFL. Like just irrational arrogance. They're really good this year, but they're not a, a sweep of the Clippers or the Nuggets good. Yeah, that's true. But anytime you have LeBron, you're kind of... You're up there, you know. Isn't they're really good, but not sweet good. Yeah, like you and, talked about, you have like the Nuggets who play more of a team. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But with the Lakers, you're gonna have kind of the same concept as the Clippers, where you have like these superstars that are gonna. LeBron is kind of a team player, but at the same point, you know, he can just take over. But with him, it's a it's a different it's a different game because he is such a one of the best players ever that he's going to, he can really take over and actually win a game where you have other people who may be superstars, but they, if they try to take over, then they're going to kind of ruin their chances of winning because they're not playing as a team. So then their team's kind of like, well, James Harden. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah. Uh, game one of the Western conference finals though, will be Friday. So, Regardless of the outcome of tonight, there'll be two days off for either the Clippers or the Nuggets before taking on the Lakers, which is really nice to see instead of having such a grueling seven-game series and then only having one day off before being out there on the court. Yeah. Whole reason why... As bad as it sounds, game one of this series was a scheduled loss for for the Nuggets. Mm-hmm. It would have been a miracle if they came out and won that game. Uh, man, I'm just excited for tonight. Jokic is going to step up, and he is going to take over this game. Mm. Just a matter of whether or not he can take over and have a bigger impact on it than Kawhi does. Because Kawhi will get his tonight as well. Yeah, we shall see. Now, just to shift gears here for a little bit, uh, close out the show, talk about the Denver Broncos game last night. A uh, heartbreaker of a game. Yet another game that the Denver Broncos lose on a game-winning field goal in the last 30 seconds of the game, which happened, I believe, three times to them last season. All games that were very winnable games and all games that the Broncos were about 20 seconds away from winning, including, I believe, actually a game you and I ended up watching together last season. Oh, yeah, we did watch it. We watched it at, um, what's that place called? Uh, 
I don't remember. Oh man. But we we had gone down to Denver to do um you were doing uh some documentary work on this fashion show down there. Yeah. Uh what's that? It's like uh tw- not Twin Peaks. That's another one. Like Twin Peaks or Hooters kind of situation. Uh but a heartbreaking loss for the Denver Broncos in a game that was very winnable and a game that honestly Tennessee could make an argument that shouldn't have been as close as it was. And the Broncos should make an argument, can make an easy argument that it should not have, that they should have been out of range of a game winning field goal. For Tennessee, Goskowski, former Patriot kicker, comes over to Tennessee. And early on in the broadcast, this ESPN crew is talking about how Goskowski, future Hall of Famer, which you look at what he's what he did with the Patriots, you can definitely make a good argument for that. And yet he comes out and misses his first three field goals. He's 0 for 3. He misses an extra point. And it comes down to him kicking a game-winning field goal, and he just nails it. Uh, Fangio, though, had some more than questionable clock management down the stretch there. Broncos had all three of their timeouts and did not use them, allowing the Titans to run the clock all the way down to 17 seconds before the Broncos got the ball back. 17 seconds. The the Titans are well within field goal range to win the game, and Fangio's on the sideline not using his timeouts. It was ridiculous and ridiculously frustrating as a Broncos fan watching that game. The Broncos did, however, defensively at least, show up against the run. Uh, Derrick Henry still got a 100-yard rushing game, 116 yards to be exact, but only averaging 3.7 yards per carry. When you're talking about a guy as big as Derrick Henry, he, he can basically fall forward on a run up the middle and get three yards. So holding him to under four yards of carry was actually really nice to see. But you gave up more in the passing game because you were so committed to stopping the run. Corey Davis was a fifth overall pick for the Titans a few years ago. Has not really been a consistent... NFLer. And yet last night he had a hundred yard receiving game, seven catches for 101 yards for Corey Davis. This Broncos defense was already down Vaughn Miller. And then they lose uh Bouye in this game. Uh separated shoulder went down. And you also lost. Philip Lindsay in this game went down with turf toe. Neither one of them came out and played in the second half of this football game. With no Philip Lindsay, Melvin Gordon did end up getting going on the ground and ended up averaging 5.2 yards per carry, a touchdown. He did have that fumble early on. And after that fumble, it really looked like the Broncos were going to lean more on Philip Lindsay quite unfortunate for that injury because me personally, and as I'm sure many of you listening are Philip Lindsay fans. And I feel like Philip Lindsay is the better back out of the two. Melvin Gordon, really good, but albeit with some personal bias, Philip Lindsay should be the starting running back should be RB1 for the Broncos. But it's looking like that's just not something we're going to see for a while with a turf toe injury because that is hard 
that is an injury that may not be healed at all this season. Because the only way you get that up to 100% is if is with weeks of rest. And I'm just not sure if the Broncos are going to give Lindsay that kind of time to rest it. So another thing that really stood out to me in this game, Noah Fant, five catches for 81 yards and a touchdown. All of those came in the first half. In the second half, Noah Fant was only targeted one time. And watching the game, that to me was not on Drew Locke. Drew Locke played a hell of a game, especially considering being down what would have been his number one target, the guy who he really started gelling with at the end of the season last year. Cortland Sun did not play in this game. And yet he comes out and is 22 of 33 for 216 yards and a touchdown. No interceptions. Probably should have had one interception. But could have, would have, should have, no interceptions in this game. But the clear number one target for this team in this game was Noah Fant. And you don't get him the ball in the second half. is kind of asinine to me. The Broncos went for it on a fourth and one on the goal line. And I really like that. I am not opposed to going for it fourth and goal from the one. But the play call was questionable, doing a tight end shovel pass. And doing a tight end shovel pass to Jake Butt instead of doing it to Noah Fant, also questionable in my eyes. So really encouraging what you get to see from Drew Locke and what you got to see from Noah Fant in that first half. So should, as a Broncos fan, give you high hopes for what we'll see from this offense going forward. As much as I like Philip Lindsay, you will not feel the loss of Philip Lindsay as much because you're having Melvin Gordon. Getting Cortland Sun back, though, will be a huge boost to this passing game because he is a true number one receiver. Jerry Judy has potential to get there. He had two big-time drops in this game, though. And we also did not have Hamler in this game. A, the guy who was brought in because of his speed and his playmaking ability after the catch. So this passing game was probably at 60%, 75% maybe of full power and still looked really good in this game. Alexander Johnson, another guy who came on late last season, had another great game. Uh, I believe his, he ended up with 12 tackles in this game. One boneheaded play, um, which is actually kind of questionable getting a flag thrown on it in general, but flag was thrown. So his personal foul did wipe out an interception that could have really changed the course of this game. Bottom line, Denver Broncos lose 16 to 14 in a game that really could have been a win for them. Losing this game is disappointing, but the way they lost this game keeps me excited and keeps me optimistic for the 10 win projection that I put forth for the Denver Broncos. I still think that is well within the grasp for this team, but now it's on to the Pittsburgh Steelers who will be a tougher task for this offense going up against it. But for now, that's, 
that's all I got on the Denver Broncos. We're running short on time here. And I'm not even sorry that we spent most of the time talking on the Denver Nuggets. I think they deserve it. They are the story. If you're, if you're a sports fan, not just a football fan, they are the story in the Colorado sports market. Yeah, definitely. And you know me, I'm not really a football guy, but basketball, that's an actual sport right there. Just kidding. Uh, football is the best <laughs> sport. Basketball is my number two, though. If I, if I had to rank my sports, basketball mm. is my number two. Football, football is my number uh, one. I mean, I, I coached at my whole old high school for six years. I've been, I used to sit in front of my computer growing up playing Madden on the desktop and listening to the football games on the radio. Huh. And that was just such a euphoric experience. <laughs> yeah i'm a oh, little bit mad is better than I... nba huh you know what i don't even have cable man i don't know you can stream it what are you streaming on it's going to be on espn so you can stream it through espn um but don't have to pay for it well you just need somebody's login i mean let's be honest all right mike jones <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you can Cut find other out. ways to stream it that are less reputable, but of course you would not do that, Dwight, because you're a fine, upstanding citizen of the United States. I would States. never do that. I would never watch anything with that's illegal. Correct. Correct. Glad Correct. to hear it. Don't want to Put condone those types of behaviors. No. Well, I know you, know, you can go on like um, Nuggets Nation on Facebook. They always link posts to like where you can stream it. Oh, you'll have to check right. that out tonight. Then. Um, never, I would never do such a thing, Mike. I I would expect nothing less of you Dwight I know you are the moral compass that we should all guide ourselves by actually that's very true but Dwight you asked me my predictions for tonight and I just realized I did not ask you yours what do you think is going to happen tonight you know what I think is going to happen what it's going to go to overtime I might have a heart attack you know what? That, I would think that'd be a great one. You, don't you think if we get overtime, and then uh, it's gonna be Nuggets win by two points in overtime. Nuggets, a Nuggets win by two in overtime. Yep. You heard Yoke's, that here, Nuggets Nation. Uh, that with a three, dude. With a three, uh, <laughs> so they'll be down by one. Hit a three-pointer <laughs> for the win. Exactly. You're going very specific in how this game ends. I you want to like know it. where he's shooting the three? Hmm? You want to know where he's shooting the three? Where? Middle. And the center. Dead center. Dead center, bro. And who's shooting the three? Jokic. Jokic is shooting the game winning three <laughs> from the top of the key. Yep. He's gonna have he's gonna throw like his knee up like uh he did last game. Kind of like a little uh Nowinski move over here, little Dirk. A little, a little Dirk move. That was kind of like Dirk when I I watched it. I was like, dang, it looks like Dirk. It did. It did. He did the same thing back in the day. That's how I played basketball too, though. I can't talk. <laughs> oh, I had the my. same physique I, as Jokic. You guys, if Dwight's prediction is true, I hope you guys are all healthy enough to withstand this and have good enough tickers. Cause that would be, <laughs> Oh my God. That would be, Oh my yeah. God. They wouldn't be able to worry about coronavirus. They'd be worrying about heart attacks. <laughs> yes. That, <laughs> oh, I would probably be on the floor. Win, lose either way. That <laughs> shot goes up. I'm just on the floor. Oh, <laughs> All right, man. Thank you for coming on today, Dwight. It was a pleasure to have you. Uh, like I've said, like we said, opening up the show, you can find both of us with the D's Damn Dudes podcast going to be posted up here uh, in the next day or two. Our first episode, 
You can also find Dwight on his personal bod- podcast about bettering yourself. Yeah, it's called oh. The Succeeded How. Check it out. Yes. Uh, I'm sure you'll find those podcasts and this one. Podbean, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, all those great things. Obviously, you're listening to this now. Give it a like. Give it a follow. Leave a comment. Tell me how awful I sound. Whatever. You can also follow me on social media, uh, Twitter, Instagram, at Jones. Definitely be on there for tonight's game. Hopefully, talk to you again soon. Celebrating a Nuggets victory. Peace out. This was What Sports. Miss y'all already.